As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This episode of Pit Panther Rants and Other Sports Brands Podcast is brought to you by The Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. It's a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team, a rising tide that lifts all boats. Go check them out online on social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at sportsdrink. You know, it's spelled like sportsdrink, but no vowels. Get rid of them. OS is to close the door behind you. We're trying to let, we're trying to not let the funk out. Welcome into another Pit Panther Rants, another Sports Rants podcast. Blood Harris, your host, brought to you by the Sports Drink. I'm not doing that whole um, live ad read over again. You know, I don't care if I stop, stutter, or what. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like Dan Marino, right? All right, I think I'm screwing this up. Go a game, a complete uniform, and a chance to meet me. Stay tuned. I'll have details on how to enter, and we'll be announcing a winner later tonight. Did not flub at all. No, it wasn't a flub. There was no fucking flub. It was not a flub. No, come on, let's do it. Fuck it. Hi, I'm Dan Marino from the Miami Dolphins. Welcome to Visa NFL Quarterback Club Week on I hope you've enjoyed your Thanksgiving day. We have more NFL action on this Sunday starting at 1 p.m. Eastern. But tonight, you'll get a chance to be my backup quarterback for a day. You'll get round trip, airfare, and tickets to a game, a complete uniform, and a chance to meet me. Stay tuned. I'll have details on how to enter, and we'll be announcing a winner later tonight. Fuck it. Send it in. Nope. I don't want to see shit. <laughs> but yeah, that's basically how it was. And I, I actually recorded a podcast yesterday, but I just really didn't feel like uploading it. I wasn't crazy about it. I think I was ha- I was half out of it, I think, if we're being quite honest. But uh, let's recap what happened here over the weekend. Well, first off, Pitt defeated Rhode Island 45-30-24. Yeah, I got the. I'm bringing all these bunch of scores. The game itself, I was kind of weirded out. Not really weirded out, but it just I don't know. It just seemed like Pitt was just very, very lethargic. I mean, the whole game was. But um, beauty is in the eye of, behold, of the be, you know, beholder because you know I tend to feel that they should have wiped the floor with Rich with um, Rhode Island. And it just felt like they were, you know, I mean, Pitt wasn't really in danger of lo- ever losing the game and they weren't going to lose it, but it just, I don't know. They were, they gave up some, they gave a big plays still. And it seemed like the defense just wanted to get out of there, you know, un, you know, un, unscarred or unhurt, which I understand. And I think 
I just felt this would have been a great opportunity for Keelan Slovis to, you know, to get back in the rhythm with his, with his receivers. And he somewhat did. I mean, he, a lot of short passes. I mean, the, I mean, Kanana Mumfield had five catches, 42 yards. Bob Means had six catches, 38. So in some ways he kind of got, in some ways he kind of got, you know, on the same, you know, some work in. It just, I wanted him to throw downfield, you know, and get used to that, but Maybe more if, you know, I guess maybe getting him in terms of pitching and catching, I guess. Maybe that kind of works. But, you know, I will say, though, I'm not really too concerned about the, you know, the running backs. Because, I mean, we should, I mean, even with Ronnie Hammond, that's, it's been out. And I, think, and I think the two deep was released with him on it. But, uh, you know, Izzy had a big game, 19 carries, 170 yards, four touchdowns. Vincent Davis, seven carries, 51 yards, and a touchdown. And Vincent also added three catches for 34 yards. Um, Seabla Femester, four carries, 13 yards. Da- even Daniel Carr got some work. So, I mean, running back's not really much of a concern. I mean, I'm, at one time it was. When Quadri Olson and uh, Darren Hall graduated, that's when, it, that's when it became a concern because we didn't have anybody that could really step up. We had... Um, We have one, let's see, Todd Sibley, he's at um, Albany, and he's been tearing it up. Good for him. Um, I'm not sure what happened to Mikhail Saludin. What's his name? Let me, let's look him up real quick. Saludin Pitt. Yeah, he, he's playing for uh, North Carolina A&T, and what has he been up to? What has he been up to? As of late, I'm not sure if he's been doing much of anything lately. Um, well, he's playing defensive back now, and he's hasn't wait. Well, he played. Looks like he's played a game. That's about it. That's really about it. I mean, he's defensive back now, which is you know. Not much to write home about. Well, I mean, who knows? It could work out for him. And his, uh, let's take a look at his uh, biography here with North Carolina A&T. Let's see. 2021 season, he played 10 games on the start. He made 12 tackles. So he he went from... Uh, yeah, he went from... Uh, Running back to defensive back. And let's see, before coming to Pitt, he had more than 30 offers. He had offers from Clemson, Georgia, Michigan, Oklahoma, USC, Virginia Tech, Wisconsin. So how did he end up? I don't know. He doesn't play anymore. But I remember that, I remember when he left. That was When he left and transferred, That was I remember that was a huge deal because supposedly there was some sort of culture issue with Pat Narduzzi's program and you know, all kind of other stuff. Well, I mean, we had issues with the tight ends. We weren't throwing in the tight ends. And, you know, Sean Watson's offense left a lot to be desired. Uh, on defense, Pitt, let's see, Cervosi Dennis, seven, seven total tackles, two solo and half sack. Kalijah Kansi, he had three three total tackles, but he had, a, he had one half sacks. Naki Johnson had a sack. Sean Simmons had a sack. So, I mean, pretty much, you know, overall it wasn't too bad. You know, they gave him some big plays. 
Kasim Hill of Rhode Island, 17 of 30, 223 yards, a touchdown. Marcus DeShields had a, you know 10, 10 carries, 18 yards. He had two touchdowns, one on a long run. But overall, Pitt outgained Rhode Island 460-286. I mean, they killed, they killed Rhode Island on the ground. Uh, one thing about Pitt is they had 97 penalties. They had nine, I mean, I'm sorry, they had 97 yards on nine, nine penalties. So, but they dominated time possession and everything else. All in all, you know, I wasn't crazy about it, but I thought Pitt should have crushed them, but Pitt had a ton of injuries. And I guess they want to come out of that unscathed. And if you hear that noise in the background, it's probably my son watching something on Netflix. Um, yeah. Because um, I look at um, the 2014 Pitt Panthers. And they played Delaware to open the season. And they just they defeated Delaware sixty-two to nothing. And I remember I was all amped up for this game. And I was talking about how physical Pitt was. I mean, they were imposing their will. They just looked physical on both sides of the ball. They were, you know, they were just kicking ass in this game. I was so excited. Then the next week, Pitt played Boston College. They won thirty to twenty, and that was at Chestnut Hill. And then um, they beat Florida International 42-25. So Pitt started 3-0. Then they lost to Iowa 24-20. They lost to Akron 21-10. Then they lost to UVA 24-19. And before you knew it, Pitt was 3-3. I was so excited about that, you know, that 3-0 start destroying Delaware. Pitt loses the next three. They beat Virginia Tech 21-16. But then they lost four of their last six games, including that bowl game. Because they lost the next three games they played after Virginia Tech. They lost to Georgia Tech 56-28. That was the infamous Pitt script game where Steve Pearson out of the blue just resurrected Pitt script. And we had a, I guess, uh, there was a band playing, I believe. It wasn't Rune 5. It was some other, Eve 6, I believe, played. And, the game itself was a disaster. I think Pitt was down four TDs to start the game, if I can possibly remember. I try not to remember that game because that that's just it was just a miserable game. Then we lost two heartbreakers, the Duke game of Carolina, because our, we couldn't play defense. Then we somehow we beat Syracuse and Miami, which you know that's how bad Miami was pretty much. I think Al Golden was no, he was fired the next year. We were six and six, and we played Houston. And for some reason we couldn't we could not um recover an onside kick. Yeah, I think we I think we screwed up on two onside kicks, I believe. Yeah, we we basically pitted is what happened. That was the pitting. But yeah. But uh, Paul Chris left. He left us a good offense, and of course his departure spelled the end of Steve Peterson. Because 2015, you know, we hired, you know, but yeah, 2015 we hired our doozy. We got rid of Peterson, but it also spelled the end of the of the, of, of the Jamie Dixon era of Pitt basketball. Because once we hired 
Once we hired Scott Barnes, after 2015-2016 season, Jamie Dixon was gone. He popped on a plane to his alma mater, Texas Christian. And that was it. So while... um, so while it signified the end of the the Steve Pearson era, it also killed the Jamie Dixon era. Yeah, I need to put that in because, yeah, he did, that did end. You know, and also, I mean, it wasn't so much that. You had Nordenberg's retirement also, I mean, led to the Jamie Dixon era ending as well. I mean, once he once his two bosses left, I mean, he was out. Not just how, not just how it is sometimes. When you get new bosses, you don't want to work for them. It, it's a it's a time to get out. And of course, the TCU job ha- just happened to be open. And that's life. I mean, I don't think Jimmy has any issues with Pitt. I mean, he was at the game, at the back of a brawl. But let's take a look at the rest of the uh, weekend at the ACC. West Virginia beats Virginia Tech thirty three ten. The Brett Pryor is he's gonna have to really upgrade his. He's gonna have to do some of VT. I mean, because yeah, or, or otherwise he's not gonna last too long. But I think Frank Beamer stayed too long, and of course Fuente came in and he kept Bud Foster, and he probably should have got rid of him. But uh, I don't know. It just uh, yeah, it's just it's gonna be another rebuild for Virginia Tech. It seems. Virginia, now Friday night we had, you know, Virginia and Syracuse, Syracuse wins. Uh, Brennan Armstrong, it's, watching him kind of reminds me of Tyler Palka when he went from Walt Harris to Matt Cavanaugh, that transition, because it really, it really wasn't good that good in 2005, and Palka got a little bit better towards the end of that season, but early on there were some struggles with that offense. And, of course, we had the, the infamous Ohio loss where he threw, I think, two pick sixes. And I'm seeing it now with Brennan, and he just, I don't know, he's not getting the ball out fast enough. And just he just seems like a totally different player. Clemson defeated Wake Forest, 51-45. Wake had control this game, and you can't, you know, you, you can't play around with uh, Clemson. NC State beat UConn. Miami lost to Middle Tennessee, 45-31. So MTSU, that's another team you don't want to schedule. It's amazing. Miami took money out of their health care system to uh, to pay Mario Cristobal to lose to Middle Tennessee State. Well, you know, I guess I guess if they didn't do that, it would be, I guess, a lot worse. Kansas defeats Duke, 35-27. Kansas is 4-0. Kansas hasn't done much since the Mark Mangino era. I mean, they did hire Turner Gill after, you know, because they had to fire Mangino for, you know, I forget for whatever reason. They fired him or part of ways with him, whatever, and they hired Turner Gill, and Turner just took Buffalo to a MAC title. So, I mean, it was a good hire. I mean, the guy had Big 12, the guy did have Big 12 pedigree. It just didn't work out, and then, then they hired Charlie Weiss, and yeah, that was an odd hiring. I think if there's one hire they could t- probably take back is Charlie Weiss because yeah, that was pretty bad. Then the last miles thing. I mean, they yeah, they went through a lot of coaches. Louisville defeated uh, South Florida forty-one-three. 
North Carolina loses the Notre, Notre Dame 45-32. Eventually, North Carolina was going to have to play defense, and sadly enough, it just didn't happen against Notre Dame. It was going to come back to bite them. Yeah. UCF ended the Jeff Collins era, Georgia Tech 27-10. Now, we're talking, you know, Georgia Tech was with Paul Johnson at one point, and you know, you have to transition from an option offense to, uh, you know, a pass, more of a passing offense. There's going to be some issues. Jeff tried to find ways to fix it by bringing Jeff Sims, and who played FSU, I believe, and it just didn't work out. So he's 1-3, and three and that's it. Uh, Forest State defeats Boston College 44-14. There was a BC rider who talked about how great the um, – how great it's going to be to eliminate the uh, divisions because, you know, so we'll have to see, you know, the Atlantic pounding the uh, coastal team every year. You know, I just like, I just like how, um, I, li- I just like how a Boston College writer is pounding his chest about how superior the Atlantic division is. Boston College won't win the coastal, would not win the coastal division either. And be careful what you wish for because um, the coastal teams might dominate, <laughs> might dominate the standings. As Paul Zeiss replies to my tweet, Paul Chris did a hell of a job cleaning up a total disaster left over from the circus caused by the Dave Wanstead. In the 14 months or so that followed, he stabilized being a... Yeah, that's true, he did, because remember, we lost a whole bunch of players. Yep, we lost literally our recruiting, you know, whole recruiting class. And then when Todd Graham left, it got worse. So you look at the rest of... Speaking of Paul Christ, over the weekend, Wisconsin got destroyed by um, Ohio State... 52-21. Bama beat Vanderbilt 55-3. Remember when people were hyping Vanderbilt up in the first week of the season? Yep. Michigan beat Maryland 34-27. I think I had Maryland covering that, that spread. It was a 16.5 point spread. I thought that was too generous. Maryland won. Well, no, they won the spread at least. They didn't win the game. Kansas State defeats Oklahoma 41-34. Oklahoma was 6th ranked. Now, Adrian Martinez was supposed to, you know, was supposedly a problem at, Kent, at Nebraska, and he was one of the culprits as to why Nebraska sucked. Uh, he's doing pretty good s- since then, you know, because you know, because they brought Mark Whipple and you know, and got rid of Adrian Martinez, and everything was going to be fine then. Well, it's not fine, obviously. But of course, you know, Adrian Martinez and Penner Doozy were supposedly the bad guys on this whole thing. USC defeated Oregon State 17-14. If there was ever a Heisman moment for Jordan Addison, it was probably that game-winning touchdown catch. Oregon State played, you know, contained them pretty well, but you, you got to score points, and they turned the ball over four times. So when you're playing a high-power offense like USC has, you can't make mistakes. Arkansas loses to Texas A&M 23-21. Tennessee beats Florida 38-33. Yeah, it would have been nice to win that game. But injuries. Penn State won their game 33-14. And scrolling down the rest of this list. Baylor beats Iowa State 31-24. And of course, Texas loses to Texas Tech 37-34. In overtime. Well... Yeah, the Sark era. If he keeps losing, if he doesn't do something here, he may be, well, 
plenty of people could be looking for new jobs. I mean, well, his receivers coach changes jobs every year, so this shouldn't be a big deal for him if they if he happens to lose this job. You know, if the, if the staff gets fired. But look at the rest of uh, the weekend. Well, the Steelers lost. It's Cleveland 31-24. No, 29-17, I'm sorry. I'm ringing a score, and I'm like, 31 No. They lost 29-17. Uh, it seemed like the offense had some moments, but then second half, they just they couldn't do anything. And then the Steelers' defense could not get off the field. It used to be that Cleveland used to be afraid of Pittsburgh. They, they feared them. Now it's not the case. And, of course, somebody is saying Dixon's hitting out of the park. Yeah, six years. and Yeah, he does have a losing record at TCU in the Big 12, but he just made a tournament last year, and he's got a whole group of – he's got a whole uh, – he's got his player – most of his players returning. Yeah, it used to be Cleveland um, – Fear Pittsburgh, but not so much anymore. I mean, they pretty much, without T.J. Watts, their defense is kind of pretty much, I guess it's like Clark Kent without his superpowers, you know, where he tried to, you know, where he was in that diner and he gets enough, he gets his ass beat by that trucker. That's pretty much, uh, that's pretty much what the uh, Steelers defense is right now, for the most part. But speaking of the NFL, uh, we have Rihanna performing at halftime at the Super Bowl. I found this kind of odd because uh, Rihanna was was boycotting was boycotting the NFL because of um, what happened to Colin Kaepernick. So I guess you can say her boycott is officially over. There were some people. But. Um, I don't think Rihanna's hurting for money. I she she makes play. She has that clothing line where she makes it's a billion dollar industry, I believe. I mean, she's making a ton of money doing that. And Colin Kaepernick hasn't played in. Uh, he hasn't played since twenty sixteen and then twenty sixteen season, so he's not going to get a job anytime soon. And no, I don't think anybody's really really kneeling anymore. That was an odd time because there were people that were refusing to watch the NFL because, you know, Kaepernick couldn't find a job. There was another half that um, didn't want to watch because of the social justice stuff. The NFL basically is like nicotine. It's addictive. People are, people are going to keep watching no matter what. So if you stop watching it, all your friends are going to keep, are going to keep watching it. And then you're going to be, out, you know, you could be on the conversation. It's like, so, uh, so Mike, did you watch the, uh, how about the um, you know the Chargers this week? Well, you know I don't watch NFL anymore, guys. You know, you know I, you know, I just don't like the fact that Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a job, and I'm gonna stop watching. It's like, okay, Mike, you know, you do that. Or the other half, it says, well, I'm, I'm tired of, I'm not, I, you know, guys, I don't really watch the football anymore because you know, you know, I just don't like the whole social justice stuff they're doing and the the, the end zone, you know, the stuff they're doing with the end zones and and say, like, okay, if you you know if you, that's you know, yeah, basically you're gonna leave yourself out of the conversation. So I mean, 
even as you get older, peer pressure and all that crap, it's still there. It, it always will be. Well, I mean, the NFL relies on peer pressure. It just, you make yourself, well, I don't know if it's, you know, just, I don't know if you make yourself an outcast. I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know where to go with that. But basically, you know, like, for instance, when I moved to Houston, I started watching the Houston teams because basically when I went to, when I was in the office, people were talking to me about the Texans and the Rockets and whatnot. And I didn't know what the, I didn't know what to say about them. You know, and so I had to start watching the games to be up at the times because otherwise I wouldn't be that person who doesn't know what the hell, you know, doesn't know shit. But now that I'm out of Pittsburgh, I don't, you know, I don't watch the Steelers as much like I used to or the Penguins, so I don't, I can't really talk about them much. I watch a lot of Pitt, though, for some reason. I find time for Pitt, which is weird. But, yeah. And to close this out, Brett Favre, you know, there's a big conversation about the about Brett Favre. I guess um, you know, supposedly people are saying it's a shame that Brett Favre is uh, not getting um, the coverage that Mike Vick got, and. It's even crazy that Jamel Hill had to weigh on this. And let's be honest. Jamel says, been thinking about the law of criticism of the media and talk, talking about the Brett Favre. You can't say nobody is talking about it and then link articles and national news. But in the same breath, let's examine the criticisms. Several people compared coverage Favre has seen to Michael Vick and even the Sean Watson and Mandoka. Brett Favre is a retired Hall of Famer. Vic was an active player when he was accused of dogfighting a top QB. Yudoka just took the Celtics to the NBA Finals. Both Vic and Yudoka were more, were more relevant than Favre because they were active when their issues happened, as was Deshaun Watson, another active player. Half Favre still been the QB of the Packers, Jets, or Vikings? Uchile. For example, Google Jen Sterger. And that's pretty much, you know, um, pretty much she, she nails us down. She's not going to go against ESPN's coverage of uh, of um, this. She's not going to join the conversation about ESPN not covering Brett Favre enough when they covered Michael Vick more, mainly because Jamel worked for ESPN, and that would make her, you know, I guess people call her hypocrite, I guess. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, she, Brett Favre, nobody really talks about him or checks for him anymore, but. Um, I find it hilarious that Brett Favre asked the person he was getting money from if this was going to make it to the media. I mean, I think when you text that, I think you're I think you're pretty much answering your own question. But anyways, guys, I'm done here. Hell in a pit. Talk to you later. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.